Uh, Please turn in your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 9 and uh, verse 35. And uh, this session is uh, on going around the town or going about the town is uh, how I would title it. And uh, more about uh, doing evangelism particularly. And uh, as we get started, uh, a couple of uh, preliminary comments. One is that uh, I mentioned to you uh, uh, during the break, or, or I guess it was, uh, was it during the break, the, the fellow uh, at uh, work, and uh, my wife encouraged me to uh, indicate to you uh, that this, uh, the wife of this fellow who was converted had sent me a letter and, and said he was con- converted, and uh, I never directly presented him the gospel. Uh, she thought it would be uh, well for me to uh, indicate that that was that was the case. Uh, he knew I was a Christian, and he knew the gospel from his wife. <laughs> uh, and uh, he he needed to see it uh, apparently in God's providence that uh, was the case. Uh, and then too, uh, this little book that I've uh, put together, I've called "You Cannot Escape from God." And uh, I've given you a copy of a little tract uh, that I used uh, that's also called You Cannot Escape from God. And uh, this, is a, this is a basic presupposition that I have uh, with regard to all people everywhere that uh, protest as they may, individuals cannot escape from God. The knowledge of God is in them and all around them. And as it bubbles up within them and they force it down, uh, uh, they do so knowingly and it's impossible for them to escape from God. And the uh, first part of this uh, book uh, outlines the background for uh, this little track uh, that I gave you. Uh, And uh, to me, this is very hopeful, uh, you see. Because you've already have a leg up on every any everyone uh, that you're going to talk to, you know uh, whether or not they will admit it that they know God, not savingly, but they know Him because His imprint is within them. They have a conscience, and uh, because these things are true. They cannot escape Him. And so uh, you can talk to uh, them uh, about God. And we heard this. See, this is the other interesting thing uh, to me that we heard in the testimonies last night. Uh, That both Michelle and David, although uh, they confessed unbelief, also confessed the fact that the thought of God was with them. <laughs> and there was no escaping that. And it appears that that's one of the things that perturbed them. 
so much. And so they had to reconcile uh, this with their own being. And uh, uh, so uh, I think we have to realize that this is the case. Uh, To Matthew now. Matthew 9.35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Uh, Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Here is a summary statement in uh, Matthew 9, uh, particularly verse 35, as to uh, the activities of Jesus. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. Now, if you keep your finger there and uh, turn back to uh, Matthew chapter 4 and verses 18 and 19, there's a parallel there. Make sure I get this right. Uh, Matthew 4.23, I'm sorry. That, it's Matthew 4.23. Uh, it's a little parallel. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. And uh, you, you, you can pick up the parallel uh, there pretty easily. And uh, what I'm particularly interested in is the beginning of verse 23, and he went throughout all Galilee, and uh, the beginning of verse 35 in Matthew 9, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages. Uh, So the idea is uh, that, uh, uh, say here, here's the region of uh, Galilee, and uh, Jesus is is uh, going uh, uh, throughout Galilee. He's traversing. He's just going everywhere uh, throughout uh, the region of uh, Galilee. That's pretty easy for us to understand. And in verse 35 of chapter 9, uh, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching uh, in their synagogues. Now, uh, one way we can understand this is that suppose these are all villages, uh, that Jesus uh, goes from uh, village to village uh, so that he uh, uh, goes throughout uh, all of Galilee uh, going from uh, village to village. That's one way to uh, understand it. But another way to understand it uh, would be that suppose uh, this larger area uh, is actually a village and Jesus goes throughout every village 
It's not that he's just going from village to village. But uh, in Galilee, he goes into villages and then he goes around each of the villages and then he goes to another village. You follow me? So uh, he's not just going there and stopping off and looking around and then going on to the next village. But he's going throughout uh, these villages and these uh, towns and uh, uh, these cities. Uh, now, uh, uh, to me, this this gives us a little idea uh, about the ministry of Jesus. Correct? Uh, how he was operating. Now, in a Sabbath school class at at uh, Second Reformed, uh, one of the fellows was uh, uh, going through this same uh, idea, and. Uh, Another young man raised his hand, and uh, as an aspiring uh, theological student, he astutely asked this question, is what you're saying, and is what Dr. Prudhoe's saying, prescriptive or descriptive? Your pastor is nodding, nodding. And uh, I would say it's descriptive. It's describing the ministry of Jesus. Uh, but what would you want to know about Jesus? What would be helpful uh, in, in understanding Jesus better? How He conducted ministry? It seems to me how Jesus conducted ministry would be helpful for us to understand. And much of what Jesus does, although in the Bible it's not prescribing uh, certain things, Jesus is modeling for us ministry. And uh, so I take it in this way. And I think it's helpful for us to understand it in this way, that Jesus is modeling uh, ministry for us. And uh, you see, at the end of the passage in Matthew 9, uh, verse 37 says, Then he said to the disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Well, how does he know? How can he say that the harvest is plentiful? Well, you have to be out here. <laughs> you have to be out here in the harvest field to see what's going on in the towns and the villages to actually realize that the harvest is plentiful. And most of us, I, I count myself in this group, most of us look at the text and say, well, yes, this is the Word of God and, and obviously the harvest is plentiful, but we don't recognize it in a personal and existential way. We don't experience the fact that the harvest is plentiful until we actually get out in the harvest and see what's happening. Now, uh, granted, I, I get it. Uh, we get a taste of this uh, in our employments at work. We certainly do get a taste of this sort of thing. Uh, but... Uh, uh, I would say a taste, a taste. And uh, that would be the extent of it. 
And so uh, the idea is here that you have to get out into the harvest field. And uh, let's just briefly uh, here uh, look at a few examples in uh, chapter 9. Uh, for example, 9 and 10. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me, and he rose up and followed him. Jesus did not hesitate to go to places where people were conducting their business and talk to them. Now, it's more difficult in these days to do this sort of thing, but uh, as a pastor, I certainly went to places, uh, the places where people worked to see if I could visit with them. Ask them to show me around. If they worked in a plant, it's, can we take a tour of the plant? I'd like to see what you're doing. And uh, visit with them and talk with them and, and uh, uh, do this sort of thing. Uh, verses 18 and 19 in uh, uh, chapter 9. While he was uh, saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, uh, but come and lay your hands on her, and she will live. Jesus rode and followed him with his disciples. Jesus did not hesitate to answer a query and go to the home of someone who was in need. Uh, verse 20, And behold, a woman who had suffered uh, from a discharge of blood for twelve years came up behind him and touched the uh, fringe of his garment, for she said to herself, if, only, if I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And uh, by this, uh, Jesus says, is actually saying, I've made you well. What is faith? Faith is total dependence upon Christ. That's what faith is. And so, uh, and the lesson is, here, here Jesus is out and about. And a woman who is in need comes to Him. Well, uh, the point being, if we're not out and about, then we're not going to experience these kinds of things. Uh, verse 23, And when Jesus came to the ruler's house, okay, now he comes to the house, and saw the flute players and the crowd making uh, a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead, uh, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went and took her by the hand, and the girl rose. And the report of this went throughout all the district. He didn't hesitate to go to people's homes to visit with them. We don't see a lot of this in the church today, but I'm a proponent of family visitation in uh, our congregations. And uh, it's not easy, uh, but I think it's important to get into people's homes. And uh, here, here again uh, is not within the church, but outside of uh, the visible body, uh, Jesus is getting into people's homes. 
verse 27. And Jesus passed on from there. Two blind men followed him, crying out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done to you. Uh, their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them so that no one uh, knows about it. See to it that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame throughout the district. So here again, into another home. And again and again, you see, Jesus is out and about. And in verse 35, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages. He just didn't go to a city. He went throughout all the cities and villages. This stuck in my craw. <laughs> because as a pastor of a congregation that was in trouble, I knew that the church had to have more visibility and I needed to contact people to come to be part of our church. That was all there was to it. And it was as though Jesus was giving me a swift kick in the seat of the pants to get moving. And I had to grab myself by the scruff of the neck to do this. Uh, in the meantime, we also had a series of interns in our church. And uh, this, this was in, in part because I would arrange uh, this sort of thing. And part of the objective was that the two of us would go together and we'd do door-to-door -door calling in our community. And I started out by myself, uh, first of all, uh, doing this. And uh, my procedure was very simple. Uh, th this little track that I've given you a copy of, uh, I, I developed at that time, and uh, you can see the date on the back of it. It's a couple of years ago. I mean, I'd probably do things differently now, uh, but uh, this is a little track I, I developed, and uh, I noticed that, uh, uh, back here that you have a card that has some information about the church on it. I had printed just calling cards that had the name of the church on it, the times of the service, services, my name, and on the back of the calling card, a map as to the location of the church. Because people would inevitably say, where is it? And I wanted to be able to say Right here. 
very easy to find. And as I say, we had we had signs put up at at strategic corners pointing to the church because I didn't want our church building to be one of these where people would say, we defy you to find us. I didn't want that to be the case. And so I just began uh, doing uh, this calling. And I had a very simple procedure. I'd, uh, I'd take a track and a calling card. I'd knock on the door, step back so as not to be too imposing. And when someone came to the door, I'd simply say, my name is Denny Prudo. I'm from such and such a church, and, and I'm here to invite you to come to worship with us. And I'd give them the track, and I'd give them the calling card. That was it. That's what I did. And if people were not home, didn't answer, I'd stick the track and the calling card in the, in the door and leave it. And I, I would go on. All right. That's how I began. And uh, I, I began to observe some things then. And uh, some of you who have, have done uh, this sort of uh, calling uh, have observed the same thing, I'm, I'm going to guess. That you'd knock on the door and someone would come to the door and you'd say, my name is Denny Prudo, I'm inviting you to come to church, my church is, and uh, here's the, uh, the information. Not interested. Close the door. I moved on. Next door, people would answer the door, said, oh, thank you very much, and they'd go back in the house and no further uh, indication or contact. I'd go to the next door. Someone would come to the door and, and uh, I'd say, my name is Denny Prudo. I'm the pastor of, give the name of the church, and uh, I'd like you to take this information and uh, I'm, I'm inviting you to come uh, to worship with us. Oh, where is the church located? I'd, I'd show them on the back of the card and... Uh, and they just stand there like, well, don't you have something else you're going to tell me? Don't you have anything else to say? And it, it took me a while before I keyed in on that, that this is exactly what was happening. And I did this for uh, quite a while uh, before I... Uh, keyed in on this and and uh, understood that I could expect different reactions from people as uh, I was calling on them. Well, you would think that a guy would get that right away, that, well, if you're knocking on doors, you're going to get different reactions. But it, it took me uh, to have this experience before I realized that this was the case. And then it dawned on me, Matthew 9, Matthew 9. I went back to Matthew 9, Matthew 9, 35. 
And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing uh, every disease and every affliction. Well, I was trying to go throughout the community. Uh, obviously, I wasn't healing all kinds of diseases and afflictions. Uh, but I, I was seeking to go out uh, around the community. Uh, and when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, uh, for they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Uh, other versions say distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. And I began to think about the people that I encountered. Well, there's the person that slams the door and says, I'm not interested. And I would go on. And I thought to myself, well, that's not someone who's like a sheep without a shepherd. Their shepherd's the evil one. And they're quite content with the evil one. They're not interested in Christianity. At least that's the appearance of things. So I'm not going to beat my head against the wall by going back again and again and again to this person uh, to try and present them the gospel. They're determined in the direction they're going, so I'm moving on. And then I would come to the person who stood at the door. I introduced myself. I gave them a tract and the calling card. And they stood there as if to say, they didn't say anything, but they stood there as if to say, don't you have more to tell me? Don't you have more to say? Is that it? And uh, doing this for a while and, and thinking through uh, Matthew uh, 9, and particularly verse 36, they were harassed and helpless or distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. And of course, when you do calling like this, you meet people that, that are distressed and perplexed and have questions. You know, I've, I've encountered people who, who have come to the door and they're obviously distressed because something has occurred in their family or that concerns their family. And uh, they might even uh, blurt out, I'm so glad you came. I'm so glad you came. Can I talk to you? They're distressed and they're downcast. And they're like sheep without a shepherd. They don't have a shepherd. They don't have a church. They don't have a pastor. Well, and of course, other, other uh, uh, doors that you'd come to, you'd, uh, I'd introduce myself and give the person the track and, and they'd say, I'm so glad you're out doing this sort of thing. Uh, my husband and I are members of uh, First Baptist Church downtown. We love Jesus Christ. And thank you for coming by and thank you for 
doing what you're doing. Well, there's someone who's not like a sheep without a shepherd. They have a shepherd. So, you move on. And, and that was my posture. And uh, when I had an intern, uh, I would say to the intern, I'd go over uh, this material with him, and I'd say, now our business is, we're going to go out and do door-to-door calling, and we're looking for people who are distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. This is what we're looking for. And uh, you gain in discernment when you do this uh, because you, you begin to recognize what people are up to. And uh, uh, so you can uh, key in on individuals like this. And what we would do is, uh, you see, I'm, I'm against, uh, I'll be quite honest with you, I'm against with doing surveys or, or coming with uh, some sort of uh, pretense. Uh, you know, I'm doing a survey, da-da-da-da-da, and this is supposed to be the entree into having conversations with the people. Well, really you're not doing a survey. <laughs> uh, you're, you're using this as a pretext uh, to get to, to talk to people. So I'm, I'm, I'm just not into that sort of thing. And my whole thing was invite people to come to church because I think people need to come to church. I think that's the objective. You want them to come to church. You want them to become part of your church. You want them to be embraced by the people of God in your congregation. You want them to come to church. So you invite them to come to worship. And uh, that's uh, uh, what you're up to. And so I would uh, indicate to the fellow that I was uh, doing calling with that we're going to be... going out and we're going to look for people that seem to be sheep without a shepherd. And uh, the procedure then would be that as we did our calling and we came across people like this who took time with us at the door and talked a little bit, uh, we'd uh, get their name if we could and get their address uh, and... uh, if it was seemed possible at that time, uh, we'd say to them, well, would it be all right if we came back at another time? Would another time be convenient uh, for us to come back and visit with you? And so we'd, we'd make an appointment with them then, you see, to come back. Not to try to impose ourselves on them uh, at that time. Or we just take note of uh, people who uh, were on our list. Uh, they seemed like uh, sheep without a shepherd. And uh, uh, another day, uh, two or three days later uh, in the week, we'd go back to those individual houses and we'd knock on the door and, and uh, we'd introduce ourselves again and, and say, well, you, you seem to uh, express some interest. And so we were wondering if it would be possible for us to come back uh, another time, make an appointment with you and come back another time to, to visit with you. And uh, sometimes they would say no and Sometimes I would say, yes, well, why don't you come back uh, uh, tonight at 7 o'clock? Would that, would that work for you? And we'd make an appointment with them to, uh, to come back. And so we just systematically began going through uh, the community in, in this way. 
two two little incidents that uh, occurred uh, when we were doing this sort of thing. Uh, we were doing some calling. Uh, this is northeast Oklahoma. All right, it's in the fall. It's a beautiful Saturday afternoon. Denny is not thinking real clearly about this because I have objectives about doing calling. Big Oklahoma University football game going on. <laughs> so, not, not smart to interrupt a football game. So we come, we come to this one door, uh, nice house, several cars out, out uh, in front of the house, and uh, we, we could look in uh, the uh, storm door, and they were in the family room watching the football game. Well, we'd already, already knocked on the door, so uh, there we were. So the fella comes, literally, this is what happened to us. The, the fella comes to the door, says, uh, we introduce ourselves. He drags us into uh, the family room and says, sit down here, and when there's a timeout, we'll talk. <laughs> And that's actually what happened. And uh, we had a very nice visit with with uh, 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 these people. Uh, but uh, you see, you never know what's going to happen. And uh, it, it wasn't really the best idea to be calling on an afternoon like that with with uh, this big, quote, important football game going on. But uh, uh, this happened and we were able to talk to the folks uh, in the... In uh, in the intermission and the timeout. There are no big Purdue football games anymore. Okay, <laughs> no big Purdue football games, so you don't have to worry about that. Huh? Shh, shh. We'll uh, we'll delete that from the uh, <laughs> from the recording. Uh, then on another occasion, when we were uh, doing uh, this kind of calling. Uh, the uh, wife uh, answered the door and uh, she said to us, thank you very much for, for calling. Would you be willing to come back and talk to my husband? I said, well, yeah, you bet. Sure we would. And, and we... Uh, set a time, and uh, we went back at the appointed time, and she was very grateful that we did. And we had a very nice visit with the husband and uh, talked to him about Christ and presented the gospel. And he got converted. And started attending church with his wife. Wasn't our church. That's okay. That's all right. But the family was reunited in the Lord. And we said, Thank you, Lord. You've done a good work. Yet you never know. What or whom 
you're liable to meet in this sort of thing. And one of the big lessons for me was that we got out into the harvest field and we saw the harvest was plentiful. We saw it with our eyes. And what that did was propelled us to do more. To take it seriously. That there was a good work here to do. And the other thing that happened was that we were working over here doing door-to-door calling and talking to people about Christ where we were able to do so. And then all of a sudden, God was bringing us people from over here. What's that all about? God was simply showing us that He's the Sovereign Lord. He's going to build His church. And He will build His church in the way He desires. And He may use us or He may not use us. But part of the point would be, and I think this is the case, had we not been active out here in the harvest field, the likelihood is we'd have never seen this fruit emerge over here that God brought to us. And the church would not have been built. And so, uh, part of the lesson for me was that if you want to see the church built, you have to be busy in the harvest field. God will bring the fruit in His way and His time as He sees fit. It's, it's just like uh, preaching in the church or teaching Sunday school to kids or uh, doing any of these other activities. Now, sometimes you, th- you think you're just beating yourself to death or beating your head against a brick wall. But you're doing the work of the kingdom and lo and behold, God raises up fruit in the most unexpected ways because you're at work in the harvest field. And that was the other lesson to me uh, that was so forceful. And uh, so uh, the practical uh, outworking, it seems to me, of what we've been talking about uh, is, is quite simple. That uh, we began with this whole proposition of fear, overcoming fear. Don't fear the answer. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. Always being ready to give an account to anyone who asks you concerning the hope that is within you. And in order to be prepared, you have to prepare yourself. So, preparing a testimony. Preparing how you would talk to people about Christ. Preparing what you would say to them uh, about Christ is important. And, of course, uh, having a good conscience. Say, living, uh, as we've talked about uh, more than once here, living for Jesus Christ visibly 
uh, among uh, the people who are watching. And believe me, people are watching. People are watching. And they're taking notice. And then uh, understanding uh, that you uh, can go out into the harvest field in order to see that the harvest is plentiful. And when you're out in the harvest field, uh, ask God to give you some discernment. Ask God to help you see people who are distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. Uh, Ask God to help you identify people who do not have a shepherd and uh, with whom you could talk, with whom you could share the gospel, with whom you could uh, give a testimony and uh, invite them to come to church. And I maintain that anyone in the congregation can invite others to come to church. I think anybody can invite uh, uh, other people uh, with whom they visit, with whom uh, who live in their neighborhood, who are neighbors, etc., etc., can invite other people to come to church. Now, the caveat there is this. You have to enjoy your church. <laughs> you have to love your church. And you have to see the benefit of your church and you have to love your pastor and uh, love to listen to your pastor and you need to be able to say, I want you to come and hear my pastor preach. Come and visit with me to church. And I I think anyone can do that. And uh, pretty soon, uh, I think what will happen is that uh, you'll see the church grow. That, that's my commitment. That, that's my conviction, uh, you see. And uh, part of it is this whole idea of uh, getting out, making the church more visible, and getting around in the community and inviting people to come. And then as you make contact with people, having some discernment and understanding that you can identify people that you can talk with who are like sheep without a shepherd and there's a possibility of relating your testimony and giving the gospel to such people in addition to inviting them to come to church. So, there we are. Let's pray together. Lord, Uh, It seems as though we're not talking about uh, deep things, uh, but uh, in many ways very practical things, uh, things that we can be involved in. And uh, I pray that uh, you'll take your people here uh, and engage them uh, in uh, the community here in uh, West Lafayette. Uh, I pray that you'd be pleased to bless them to this end and uh, bless their pastor and bless the session and uh, grant them grace in doing so, we pray. And open evident doors for them, Father, uh, of ministry. 
And uh, perhaps uh, one of the doors that can be opened is uh, just doing some calling. I don't know what uh, the neighborhoods uh, around this uh, church building uh, look like. Uh, But you know all the people here. Uh, You know them well. You know their needs. You know those who are distressed and downcast. You know those who are uh, sheep without a shepherd. And uh, uh, would it be, Father, that you'd be pleased to uh, guide uh, men and women from this congregation to such individuals in the community to talk to them and encourage them to uh, become part of this fellowship? I pray that this would be the case. And I ask you, Father, that uh, you'd work in the hearts of uh, the folks here to uh, see this sort of thing uh, materialize. So uh, bless your people. Encourage your people. Give them your grace, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen.